Welcome to Bleed TV, the podcast of the best shows on TV. And I'm Zach. I'm Jake. And tonight's The Walking Dead, number 611. Uh, kind of unique name, Knots Untie. Uh, didn't really catch a lot of symbolism, did you? Not necessarily. I think they could have done better. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's something specific, but I hate to say I'm just freaking missing it. Maybe a last episode with Jesus getting out of his knots. I mean, that's the one thing I think of, mm. but not for this episode. I don't know. Sometimes I think about this kind of just popped in my mind is, is that everybody thinks they have a, a dead, you know, a deadlock of what they think is going on around them and have a perception of what's been going on. And suddenly some new character comes in and just unravels everything that you ever thought was possible. And then of course he shows you and that's what the episode's about. That's the best thing I can come with. Reaching. Reaching. Uh, uh. Uh, what's that director's name? Michael E. Satrasimus. Satrasimus. I like it. Uh, the writers were Matthew Negrette and Channing Powell. Um, so what are your thoughts, man? Hit me. Hit me. Uh, <clears throat> welcome. Another slower episode, I guess. But it took me a while to get into this one. I didn't love it necessarily. Was there anything that I could really point out that was majorly wrong? But I didn't. I wasn't too excited, I guess, throughout. I enjoyed the episode, but there was a lot of little nitpicks that added up to make it hurt the overall episode. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, there's, like I said, I don't have any major issues. There's some people that I didn't necessarily care for. Uh, certain characters that I do like, you know, maybe didn't feel in this episode sometimes. Yeah, there's there's a lot of that. You know, and I'll go ahead and put it out there. And there might be 50% look at me and go, oh, Zach, you're an idiot. I'll be honest with you. I thought one of the biggest mistakes, and I don't, I don't remember rephrase it, not a mistake, but I just don't think it came off right, was putting Maggie in the position to be the negotiator for this episode. It just didn't feel right. I don't know if it was necessarily her part or the acting on, on the, her part, or if it was just the introduction of Gregory and him being completely the polar opposite of what we're used to. No, she's one of the characters, and I, I didn't have a problem with her being in charge. I knew that Deanna had put her in that role to kind of step in for her when she was gone, you know, if it was necessary, and I was looking forward to that, but it, I didn't think Maggie pulled this off real well, or the actor. Yeah, I just, I'm right there. I was like, it just didn't come off like... It was flat. It was, exactly. It, exactly. It was just a little flat. It kind of had a strong ending, you know, when she's like, who's got leverage and that kind of stuff. But the 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 whole beginning of it and how it went about and then like, it was kind of awkward how like during their conversations, like she was, oh, okay, I'm supposed to walk over to the desk and put my hands on it for the next line. It looked like it was too staged. Yeah. It was just kind of like I was being forced to swallow, you know, this motion. It just didn't flow. It, like I said, it just came out of flat a little bit. Well, I don't think it helped that that I didn't much care for Gregory's act either. Yeah, I mean, in the comic book, he is a slime ball. And, like, I'm going to be honest with you, like the picture-perfect vision. I mean, the guy fits him to a T. The gray, the balding hair, being condescending, um, and so on. But for some reason, he just doesn't have the look or the persona of somebody who's been living in the, past the apocalypse for as long, you know, go clean up and – you know, talk down to folks and you got nothing here. You think a box of ammo and some aspirin is going to get you something. It was just, 
I don't know. He he was not so much flat, but he was a tough character to tough character to swallow. I just I don't see anybody, whether they're in charge of a colony or not, like stepping and talking down to somebody that's fully armed, a whole group of fully armed people, and him like speaking to him in that way. Yeah, like he had something. I mean, these people have been giving half their stuff to Negan's group, and all of a sudden these jokers walk up fully loaded with weapons and guns and da 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 da, and he talks in smack. Yeah, I just, I, I guess that whole dynamic between Gregory and Maggie, that whole situation, I could have. It needed to be tweaked. I, I don't want to do without it, but it just needed to be better. Yeah, I, I'm, bring something more to the table for you to be able to talk to folks that way. You know what I mean? I mean, I mean, good example. We had good feedback from a couple people. Um, you know, like I know David came in. And he was, you know, these people are standing at the gate and they're talking smack to eight people who have assault rifles and handguns and they got freaking spears. I mean, I'm like, really? I mean, and they're holding it up like they're going to do something with it. You know, and I'm just kind of like. The, the whole hilltop scenario, which don't get me wrong, was grand. I love the set, the design. Um, man, is it? It was just pulled from the comic books beautifully. I mean, it looks just like that. But then when you put characters in there holding spears versus guys with assault rifles, I'm just kind of like, eh. I just don't know. I know that they, they weren't aware that Jesus was coming. You know, with this group of new people. Right. Mm-hmm. So these guys with spears are, like you say, talking down on a group of fully loaded, you know, fully armed, uh, possible savages. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they have no idea that this group needs food at this point. So they didn't have any leverage to, you know what I mean? Like to play that hand. That's what I'm saying, I guess. Yeah, it, it was a little early. Um, but, you know, I guess the biggest thing here is is that this was a big, exciting moment for the show, is that you realize there's another colony, you realize there's another group of people who are just very similar to you and have found a way to survive. Um, but when you look at that clientele and the group of people and so on, do you believe it be... It, does it look believable that they created that compound um, out of what they said? You know, leftover materials, saw, you know, sawmill, you know, all these things. Did that seem plausible? Well, it seemed very plausible to me because we actually have something like this in Memphis um, nearby where they have an old colonial home and then they have some of the older quarters that have, you know, a blacksmithing forge and they have a a classic sawmill and, you know, subsistence farming equipment and things like that. You know what I mean? Or it showed where old settlers were able to survive. So you bring people in with that rudimentary equipment. It's very plausible that they could survive like people back in the day. Used yeah. To no, I, I give you all that. I guess the biggest thing I'm looking at is that wall. I mean, that wall looked pretty imposing. You know what I mean? And it looked like it was well-built, well-put-together, and so on. Um, even in Alexandria, struggled when they had metal, you know, and haven't got all... I mean, it just... I don't know. I'm not picking that apart. I'm just saying... Uh, I just want to know what your thoughts are on plausibility. 
Well, when from the view from the outside, from the truck, from the RV, um, the hilltop looks pretty big. But from the inside, it looks very small. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It looks like a small box around that large mansion home. Right. So I think it was a little deceiving. It was. Because from it the inside, it looked way more plausible to have that wall built. Oh, yeah. Than it did on the outside. One of the great feedbacks we had was, is why on earth did they not have bow and arrows instead of spears? I mean, anything other than spears. I just... Don't get wrong. I think the spears were pretty cool. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a distance weapon, da-da-da. But, I mean, they brought up a great point. You know, I mean... A bow and arrow would be legit. If you can make those really cool custom looking spears, you know you can make some arrowheads and, you know, do something with it. I don't know. It's just a thought. I thought it was a cool feedback from a listener, so I thought I'd throw that in there. Yeah. Um, but let's kind of go back to the beginning of the episode. You know, we we open up with Sasha and Abraham uh, kind of having a cute, cuddly conversation and so on. And then it kind of abruptly goes, wah, 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 when he's like, oh, by the way, I'm swift, switching uh, duties and you're getting, you know, Eugenie boy. And it was like, buzzkill, you know? Yeah, boner kill. Um, <laughs> I don't, yeah. Obviously, they haven't gone into why she's giving him the shaft right now. But... It, it, I'll be honest with you, it really seemed out of place. Like, I haven't been catching the vibe of them, you know, having feelings or him having feelings or anything. You know what I mean? I always thought it was kind of like a brother-sister competitive relationship, never something that could turn into uh, a Rashon relationship. No, I knew once he put on those dress blues in that office building that one time and put it all out there that he was into her, and she said, you got a lot of things you need to work on before that's even possible. So I knew he was interested in Sasha in that way. But it seemed like Sasha was too. But there was a caveat. He had to start working on some of his emotional issues. Yeah, well, I thought she put the kibosh on it. And so I thought that that was just kind of like a dead issue for a while. I wasn't expecting that to be heating up at this time. No, because I think ever since that scene, Abraham's been a lot more chill not so ridiculous and crazy and like death wishy. So I think he was feeling like he had been working on himself. And when he put it out there, you know, see you tomorrow, simple thing like that. You know, she's like, no, she put the, the kill on that and switched shifts. So I don't know necessarily where they got, but jump directly to Abraham and Rosita. So maybe she's aware that Rosita's still in the picture. Yeah, very much so. You know, you 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 got to drop your your current baggage before you come get new ones. You know, I mean, the side piece can't be <laughs> involved. Oh yeah. So, did you the necklace? Let's talk about the necklace here. Did you see that that was what was the symbolism there? Well, I mean, I I know it was from the fire truck, and I know that was monumental in the you know the past season or so. I mean, but. What were your thoughts on this whole little scenario here? Well, was that from the fire truck or the fuel truck? I thought it was. Well, was maybe it was, I don't know. I think it, it was, was the from fuel the truck. truck, probably. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I thought it was cute. I guess. I mean, something simple. That- I think the whole thing was put in there to show the, you know, the competition in his mind of his which woman and so on. So yeah, 
you know, symbolism, little things and so on. Like I said, not what I was expecting for the episode. A good little derailment, you know, give you some other background and some other characters. I was all right with that. But then we get right into the whole, okay, now we have Jesus has evidently, you know, walked in on him. He's up in the stairwell and my my boy Carl walks out there, you know, what are you doing in my house, you know, with a gun. And so, and like we were kind of curious about, in which we did a lot of conversation with online and stuff, it was is that are we going to hide this relationship or is this going to be something that uh, gets out in the open and so on? And they answered that question rather quickly. No, no, it's full on. Oh, in I mean, the face. Like everybody, the only thing that was kind of crazy about this was is that how about everybody and their brother ends up in the house with guns on Jesus in a matter of seconds? Okay, so first Carl draws... Then we see from outside, we see some people running into the house. And then others following and stuff like that. But where did they get that? Where were they sick? All right, here's my deal. I think the the timing of all that was a little off. Here's this. I think they went down there, and then when they realized that he was gone from his chamber, you know, wherever they were holding Jesus. That was Daryl running back. And so that's them running back to try to figure out where it was and what's going on. Maybe just to even tell, hey, Rick, he escaped. Yeah, and so... And then realize he's sitting on the stairwell with Carl with a gun Exactly. So I think that was the whole scenario there because that did kind of befuzzle me a little bit when all that stuff was going on. Um, so, yeah, I see what that was going. But, of course, we get down there, we have this long chat, and Jesus is like, you know, hey, I'm, you know, your world's a whole lot bigger than you know. And um, I thought it was very, very good that it showed Jesus was a, you know, a true scout, a calculating person, and... Um, he knew everything, you know, how many people you got, 50-something people, you know, you have a heck of a weapons cache, you know, you're low on food, you don't utilize your space, and blah, 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 you know, and I thought that was really smart, I thought that was a really good writing to throw in there, I thought it was something that really needed to be to show his skill, his cunning, and what he brings to the table as a character. No, I, I really like him, matter of fact, I, I really like Jesus as a character, period, except for when he takes his hat off. Yeah, he looks very, <laughs> very unintimidating with his hat off. Yes, yes. I mean, nothing against uh, old Tom Payne there. You know, the, the guy has just got these, you know, not to be man-crushing or anything, but beautiful blue eyes, and he's very kind Jesus. of a slender face. And, you know, he just doesn't have that brawn appearance like an Abraham or something like that. And the comic book makes him look more like a, a much more, not masculine, but more imposing character, not somebody who's – a slick character who wears a leather coat and get around. You know what I mean? Oh, it's just that butt parted drapes of a haircut that <laughs> look weird without his hat on right. to me. So I don't know. That's a s- stupid nitpick, but yeah, well, I mean, Hey, it, it is what it is. Um, but like I said, this whole dialogue, you know, and then of course the revelation of us is that you trade with more than one colony. I think, you know, that's a big eye opening, but then they don't expand on that. You know, they just say, you know, Wait till you see and that kind of stuff. So, well, I mean, so he says your world's about to get a lot bigger. Right. You That's know, it. I, I was hoping we'd get a little bit more than that. Instead, we just really focused on his, you know, his hilltop community and never got anything else about the other one, which me being a comic book reader, I know exactly what's supposed to be coming. But I think, do you think this was a budgetary reason? You know, that, hey, we're just going to keep one thing at a time? I think it was just a don't throw too much of the audience at once type of deal. That. I agree. I mean, I think they... I've obviously spent some money building this 
hilltop community. Well, I watched Talking Dead after, and this thing was built completely from scratch to make it look identical to the source material of the comic book. I mean, they didn't build that mansion. Yes, you, they showed it. It's a lot of hollow rooms. It has a persona from the outside, it's like that. But the inside, it's just a couple little spaces, and the rest of it is just on set places and so on. It is. It's the real McCoy. Huh. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there was anything wrong with the colony itself. I think I, I think it looked great. Yeah, I was impressed. I, I really was. You know, other than that, it had nice trim grass everywhere. You know, I didn't see a lawnmower, but anyway. Hey man, they the push reel. <laughs> but so they're on the road trip. We have this car wreck. Okay, now. The, one of the deal here, David put in here and goes, why on earth did they send all the badasses on this road trip? Well, I don't want to say all the badasses. Carol stayed home. Touche. Touche. You know, I will give you that. Carol, Morgan is formidable. Yeah. Um, Carl stayed back. That's true. Uh, you know, don't don't just, you can't sweep Car- Carol especially under the road. Yeah, I mean, let's go ahead and be honest with ourselves. Carol's probably top three deadliest character they're liable to get back to alexandria and she's full governor status (laughs) (laughs) welcome to my world (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) i need half before you can come back in yeah absolutely (laughs) i sacrifice several of you now one side comment i will tell you before we go any further i did feel like daryl was cleaner do we believe that he possibly has taken a shower in the last between the last two episodes you talking about like when he said go get cleaned up I thought he was a little cleaner before that. No, he still looks filthy to me. Uh, okay. I'll be honest, so, even after Maggie got cleaned up, she still looked filthy to me. Yes, I did. The clothing, yes. So we're going to say that because of the new, you know, Gregory character, we have got a the first wash on Daryl in three seasons. I don't see it. He still looked filthy. <laughs> Maybe just a little rinse of the face. Maybe his clothes look a little cleaner, but that's it. His yeah. hair has never been washed. Something else I noticed. Did you notice when they were outside of the colony, I mean, on the hilltop? I, I know this is crazy, but Rick was wearing a full coat, okay? And it had wool lining around. You know what I'm talking about? You know the coat he's famous for yeah. wearing, right? And so on. And a lot of characters had long sleeves like that. My man Daryl, straight sleeveless, the vest, oh, and yeah. so on, the iconic I really wonder sometimes about, you know, why don't they make wardrobes match the climate, you know, when they do these things? It looks way too hot to be wearing long sleeves and coats Dude, and stuff. I mean. Because they're all sweaty and nasty. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> and, no you doubt. know. All right. So, we're on the road trip. We have the we have this wreck. Pretty cool special effects. Awesome I thought special it was pretty effects awesome. On the yeah. They have the zombies stuck in the you know, car on the wheel well and so on. Um, and then they go in this house. And uh, or some office building, and this is one of the another worst decisions I could think of in Walking Dead history to add to the mini. We decide, hey, let's everybody let the pregnant woman put a pistol on Jesus, and everybody else leave her out here by herself. I really didn't understand this decision. I was almost like looking at my wife, like, how would you like it if I said, hey, babe, hold this guy down while we go in there, <laughs> you know, and we go into a we don't know how many in there, if they're a weapon, if they're armed, we don't know what how many walkers. But hey, hold the fort down out here. And me, Rick, if I whistle through all this concrete and glass and you hear me, shoot yes. I was like, Really? Yeah, I don't know I don't know why they needed so many people to go inside the building. 
Another great question David put in there was, is that why were all the survivors spread out through this place? I don't know. It's a good way to get shot down a hallway. Oh, yeah. I mean, pitch black. Oh, I found this empty room. I'm going to here. I got this one. Got this one. You know what I mean? Come on. What are they playing? Hide and go seek? I mean, what is this? I, I, I just, that's two, like, two things back to back. I'm like, meh. I don't know. It didn't bother me too much, to be honest with you. I just, I just didn't understand why they had to put so many in there. I'm going to tell you what I think. I'm going to say that just so we can have each one of them have to go down a different hallway and have their own little scenario of being a badass and, oh, hey, look what I found and, oh, look what I found and what I'll bring to the table. You know what I mean? It was like, I'm sorry. In my opinion, if you're just out of a car wreck, if somebody's hurt, something like that, you're all going to roll into a room. You're better as a group. You don't go into a singular area to hide behind something and just hope the rest of your teammate didn't just get chewed to bits. That just seems like logic to me. Yeah, but I'll be honest. I think this entire reasoning for separating everybody it was strictly to do the Abraham scene where he almost kills a guy and show him like struggling with that Another for some reason. Another classic example of, hey, we want this to happen. How do we get there? Yeah, but they you go know. the long way around. Exactly. And possibly to the detriment of you know, continuity or realism. Right. Yeah, that's... Yeah, and that's classic Walking Dead to do that. Yeah. Hey, we got a really cool scene, but let's don't worry about how we get to that point. You know, it's another thing. They put in, you know, milestones in the episode they want to hit, and then they have filler that will lead them to that episode. You know, milestone. Absolutely, and that's what surprises me. I mean, when you have this kind of, when you have this caliber of show, or at least this the fan caliber. You think you could bring a little bit more, or do you, somebody brought this up the other day, and I forget who it was. Uh, maybe it was Matt or somebody. They were saying, "Do the sins of former writers force the new writers to follow certain guidelines to to not break up the, the continuity of the show?" You mean like if there was past bad writers that they have to continue <clears throat> to be bad yeah, writers? I mean, like in the past, you know, season two, three, you know, there was a lot of struggle with writing and continuity according to most of your masses when it comes to things and they feel like well they have to continue a lot of those traits to maintain your your audience based on how the show's gone i mean i don't necessarily believe that if no, you can improve then improve yeah. yeah you always strive to do better every time that's there's no excuse for that you know especially with how many showrunners we've gone through now how many directors they use, how many writers they use. I mean, it's there's no reason to have. Right. Well, I mean, I can't complain that much. I mean, we are talking about the number one show on cable. We are talking about the highest viewers and fans and so on. I mean, they're doing something right. Even though we find a lot to kind of not necessarily nitpick or complain about, but they're doing something right. I mean, heck, that's why it's my favorite show. So, I mean, I, I get that. Um, it's just one of those things. The only, the only thing I will say about them moving in and separating and like efficiently working their way through a building. I think that's another way of also showing just how efficient of a group this is. I like that. I like that. I mean, they just completely different opinion about it. And it makes me actually appreciate the scene now. I mean, it, it just, you remember when, cause I, a good example that comes to my mind is right there when Glenn and Daryl going through there and one pops out and one helps one and then the other one gets the other one from behind. Yeah. And it's like it shows how well they work together and how badasses they are. It's like a team of dancers. <clears throat> and that wouldn't really mean? happen if you had five of them together going down the hallway together. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I can, you know, that, that kind of turns the tide for me. I, I, I can see that, you know. I think uh, they're really trying to push 
the effectiveness and the efficiency of their of Rick's group. Right. You know, just like they did at the end of the the season. You know what I mean? Or uh, end of the first episode, six oh nine. Yeah. Um, them going out there and handling that amount of walkers. Exactly, and inspiring the rest of them to come. This is kind of the same deal where they're they're now showing the hilltop people. This is what we're capable of. Absolutely, absolutely. So we say these people. We're on the road trip again. Maggie and Glenn hit the jackpot. They meet a um, oh god, what's this? I, I looked this up to make sure I had this right. What's what kind of doctor is this called? Obstetrician. Obstetrician. And this is a doctor who specializes in pregnancy. Um, that's you know my beautiful wife looked up for me and told me about it and stuff. And this is the this is the one who handles it all. You know from once you've conceived. So like you said, you really have hit the jackpot. Um, and uh, I was okay with that. You know my wife was with me and she was just like. You know, this is this is a sign of the future. This is what you hold on to. It gives you something to hold on, to really fall in love with. For the future. You know, just like Judith did for a lot of scenes for, you know, seasons four or five and so on. And so uh, I, I'm digging it. Uh, I'm digging it. I was okay with it. It was uh, we needed a doctor. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Denise and all, uh, but we all we, we need to for what I feel like is coming down the road. Yeah. Also worries me that they're building you up with something really nice to cut the legs out from under you, you know? Yeah. What do you call it? I was talking to, um, I think it was, uh, God, what was his name? They, uh, they were setting up a lot of like, Oh, oh to have that <laughs> to crush you, you know? Oh, easily. I worry so much about it, you know? Yeah. But that's what this show does well. It does, you know, yeah, get you to appreciate something or look forward to something only to crush your hopes. Right. Well, I will tell you, you know, and if you're a comic book reader, I'm not going to spoil this for anybody. You know, if you're a comic book reader, you, you, it's just inevitability. You're going to lose characters. Things are going to happen and so on. And in the comic book, certain characters die. Well, you know, these, this show is famous for doing the AMC remix. And so you think you might know what's going about to happen and it could just completely shake it up on you, you know, and it could be totally opposite. And a good example is, is like Andrea is a prominent, I mean like a real deal character, the love interest of Rick and the comic book. Well, guess what? Well, the show killed her off a long time ago. So that's that, that remix angle, you know, really doing things. And so, yes, you know, we all know that conflict's coming. And like they say, you know, we're going to lose something. We're, you know, this is going to cost us. Da, da, da. And, you know, they're foreshadowing that, you know, we're going to lose people we love. And if you're a comic reader, you, you're thinking you know who these people are. But the show could very much do the remix. And I'm actually hoping they do. Do you oh, agree so, with that, or do you yeah. hope they stick to the lines? No, I'm hoping they remix, just because surprises are better. Right, Some, I, most I, of the time. I'm with you on that. I think we definitely need to have a shakeup, you know. And and like I said, we have a lot of characters right now. We're you know, and and it's funny, you know, they had that little town hall meeting, and I know we're way off in advance, but you know, you see characters you hadn't seen in a long, long time all of a sudden show up, and so you're seeing, you know. And then they gave us a concrete number. You know, like you and I were saying, you know, I think there's probably about 20, 25 people left in this. And they come out and say 54. Yeah. I can't believe there's that many. I call BS on that. I'm sorry. I think they just inflated the numbers so we can have some more, you know, fluff 
to uh, go down the slaughter. More cannon fodder. That's all that is. Exactly. So, yeah, that, mm, yeah. All right. Now, the road trip is concluding, and this is where I had my biggest nitpicks. Is the RV getting stuck in the mud? Oh, my God. (laughs) I was, like, wanting to beat my head against the wall. I was like, no, they did not just do this. Not only that, even worse. Okay, you ready for this? Are you ready? Okay, Brian even said it and goes, if you go back and watch the scene, their boots are covered in mud before they even step out of the RV. I went back and wound it. They were. I mean, who missed that edit? And then, get this, Rick's going down what is obviously a dirt road, okay? Lands in the largest mud puddle, which looks completely obvious. Don't mention the front tire would have gone, you know, to go through this giant thing. Untrackable. Yes, that complete farce. Not only that, <laughs> if you look out this giant RV windshield, you would have noticed that less than 100 yards away is a giant wall of wooden yeah. timber as a wall. Yeah. And he acts oblivious to it until Jesus is like, no worry, we're here. Gets out, and we look, and oh, by the way, there's this giant wall. <laughs> I mean, right in front of the RV. I was like, were you planning on continuing to drive there, Rick? Or how about this scene of like, oh my God, what is all that? You know, or something. Because you would have noticed us a long time ago on this road that was approaching. Or how about you're just dazed by the big wall and then you drive into a mud hole because you weren't paying attention. Yes. Yes. <laughs> absolutely. And what makes it even worse is that when they're leaving this hilltop later on this dirt road, you see the enormous mansion and the wall and everything else. I mean... I'm sorry. There can't be more than uh, more than one or two roads going into this place. Give me a break, you know. And I was just like, "Oh, don't do that to me." Yeah, that's just piss poor planning, man. Just that was just terrible. That was just that was a true misfire. I mean, not to mention you have like twelve people on this interview. You could easily push it out of any mud hole. Oh man, yeah, just pitiful. I mean, just uh, a waste. I mean, what did the getting stuck in the mud lead to? Nothing. What was the significance? Nothing. Why don't you just have him stop and go, whoa. And then you go, him look at him and go, we're here. And then get out. And everybody had this awe-inspiring looking at this wall. You know what I mean? No. Instead, we're... I think we're stuck. A waste of two minutes of of screen time. What? Come on. Was this being stuck supposed to be like, oh, God, we're in trouble now because we don't have an exit? No, never got that feeling. Never got that persona. No, only thing it did to me was that they couldn't drive up to the gates. They had to actually walk up to the gates, which makes you even more scary because you're fully armed. Yeah, you let everybody know what you're bringing to the table. Yeah, so I don't know. This was just silly. It was total. I mean, why? Why? (laughs) And of course, we already talked about we have the you know the spear toting you know badasses yeah. up there who are talking smack with rifles pointed at them, you know. I mean, they better be like a damn good spear two, jumpers. three, four scenes all within a matter of minutes that I'm like, oh, oh, god, why, <laughs> why? Come on, think about what you're putting on this film. Think about what you produced before you put it on AMC and you make me watch this, you know. I mean, give me a break. Yeah, this is a uh, lackluster. Yeah, I say. yeah. So we talked about when they get inside. You know, 
I think uh, Matthew was talking about, hey, you know, you didn't trust these guys, but all Jesus says, all right, we'll let you in. And you let them walk in with weapons, and then you just walk in and let these people get right behind you with spears, and it's almost like there's not even a big issue. I was like, Matthew's got a point. And I was just kind of like, I mean, it just it just did not translate well. It's like, hey, it's the, the audience is going to be mesmerized by this new place. Don't worry about what's happening, why they walk in, how they got in, everything else with it, you know. Like I said, the – the strange mismatching of leverage didn't make sense as far as not letting them in or not letting them in. Or how about this? You know, when new characters walk into your new town, curiosity wins. You're going to walk up to see what they're coming to. Everybody was just walking around doing their normal thing. Like, I'm over here working on something. Hey, look, how you doing? Moving on. You know, I mean, it was like hunky dory, you know, I think the only maybe thing missing because, was somebody walking across the courtyard whistling. Yeah, but he came. They came in with Jesus and half of another group. You know, I mean, at least, at least there was familiar faces along with, you know, new faces. I guess I don't know. I guess I'm so used to the dictatorship saying, giving you the three questions, you know, and so on, and well, you just that, let an entire armed group roll up in here. But they've already shown, and they're trying to beat you over the head with this. Rick's group is. Efficient killers. This, these people are survivors. You know what I mean? Right. Non-fighters, as we keep hearing. Yeah, I just. Yeah, I give a you peaceful that. group. Yeah. So they go inside. We meet Gregory the Dick. You know, and that's like I said, not a, not supposed to be a likable character. As we got in our feedback and everything, and he's not what he's supposed to be. He kind of personifies it. Um, the the actor I've seen in a lot of material, a lot of different things. I think he did a pretty good job. I just think the character they're trying to personify is so completely random for the type of apocalyptic society that he's a part of. You know, the three piece suit, and I never thought I'd own that painting, and you know, it was just very, very unique, and it was just it's tough to swallow, you know. That's what I'm saying. I just don't feel like this guy would. <laughs> I just don't see this guy being a leader of a group two years into apocalypse. Well, no, I just, once again, with the leverage, it's like I wouldn't approach a fully armed group with attitude. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Because even Rick, even later in the episode, says we need food. Either we make the deal or we get the food. Oh, yeah. He's like, we're not leaving here without some food. You know, right. like, basically, you're going to make a deal. Or we're going to make the deal. <laughs> and you didn't see anybody disagree with Rick either. No. Like step in and be like, whoa, we can't. Yeah. We've done, we've, we've moved past the moral compass yeah. as much. You we'll know? take it by force if necessary. Yeah. Let's right. hope it doesn't get to that. You are nice people. The food is going to be nice to us too. You know? Yeah. And see, I think one thing that this show has done really well is they have nailed Rick's humor. Like the humor that's involved in his character. Sometimes oh. he's not trying to be funny, but what he does is funny. Oh, well, it's it's subtle. You know, when he tells Maggie, I'm going to let you negotiate with him. Right. Because he doesn't need to hear what I need to it say. It doesn't need to be me, is what he says. Right. Because you know what Rick's going to do. Right. He'll lose his cool and oh, yeah. beat the shit He'll pull that anaconda out and say, this is how we negotiate. Yeah, I'll just pistol whip you until you give me what I <laughs> yeah. want. And we see it again later. After Rick's covered in blood from the chin, the nose down, he looks okay. at the other guy and goes, what? You know, that's <laughs> But you ain't never seen this before? <laughs> yeah, that's, I think they've nailed the humor of Rick. 
How many times has my man been Rick been covered in someone else's blood? I don't know, but he has all kinds of bloodborne pathogens. Let's see. We've stabbed so many folks in the neck. We've bit the throat out of somebody. We've done all My man, he is bathed in blood more than he has water. Yeah, and they love pouring it on him. Just, oh, my God. It is like it's horrendous <laughs> amounts of blood. <laughs> Dude's been through a lot. Oh, God. And, I, you know, you hate it because the guy he killed looked like a burly fellow. I could handle himself. Looked like the one warrior of the group. <laughs> exactly. The, the one Viking of the group. And we go ahead and kill yeah. him in our first encounter. That's bad. Yeah. Unfortunate. <laughs> it's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, like we'll move past the whole MAGA negotiation. We've already beaten that to death. And, of course, they make their new negotiation. Now, I will tell you that I did like, um, who was it? Uh, oh, God, we had a great feedback. Yeah. Matthew came in there and said that, just like the comic book, a lot of the lines they used in the negotiation of the New Deal, getting rid of Negan, you know, they call him Negan. You know, I've always thought it was Negan. Okay, it's Megan swapped the N with an uh, an M with an N, so it's Negan. Where this Negan stuff comes from, I have yet to figure this out. Well, Kirkman came out and said it's pronounced Negan. Well, I'm calling it Negan. Uh, Kirkman yeah. and his remix, whatever. Uh, cutesy, nah. You know, <laughs> I mean, we're from Mississippi and we know how to pronounce it properly. Negan. nagging boy yeah (laughs) um but you know he said he commented and i went back and looked a couple of my comic books and he's absolutely right a lot of those lines of uh, you know coming out there we're gonna handle your guy you know we'll make a new trade we want you know this like that those were all lines done by rick in the comic book and so daryl coming in there and doing that i thought that was pretty cool i thought that was neat that they made him a part of that mixture just like matt said they did and uh I think it sold it well, too. He needs to be. He's been there so long now. And he had more of a leadership role before, but then it just kind of went away. Well, I'm glad that, to see him do it again. I think he's got a little more personal invested, invested because of his running with Negan's guys. Oh, absolutely. So now he's like, yeah, this guy's, you know, we don't blown his people to bits, you know. We're going down there to take care of this fool, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he has a lot invested. I think it's, I think he's getting attached to the Alexandrians too, like Denise and stuff like that. Right. Um, yeah, that's, that was good. So I mean, they make the deal. They go outside, and all of a sudden, we get this unique situation of we got some people who show up, and evidently these are three people from the hilltop that have went and delivered stuff to Negan's group, and the message was is that you know if you want to get your guy Curtis or what's his name Craig. Uh, Craig back um this is how it's got to happen you know and he, you you got to kill your leader you know and so he goes over and stabs him and Daryl's you know not Daryl but Rick and company Daryl and all like that go into action mode you know and uh pretty good little fight scenes and everything I was really surprised to see Abraham get taken down and get treated like a punk I thought that was the most far-fetched part of the whole deal no doubt he laid there and was taking it like he was enjoying it. I didn't understand that at all. Almost like he wanted to feel what that guy felt he almost killed. Because that guy made a huge deal. He's like, I saw my wife. Clear as day. She was right there. You know, when I thought I was going to die, I saw her. And he was like smiling. He was elated about it. Yeah. You know, it's almost like 
Abraham like a smirk on his face while he was getting it did. choked. It really did. And it kind of threw me. I was like, I was, even if they was trying to put that there, I was more against the scene because he let the guy get the best of him. And this is macho Abraham, military, you know, handled himself. And he took him down pretty easily to me. I thought this was an extremely far-fetched way to try to show that he was thinking about Sasha in that possible death yeah, moment instead no, of Joe. Rosita. This was just way off the map. Of anybody hand-to-hand, Abraham should be punishing all. Yes. Not not even, I mean, like unmercifully. Yes. You know, and then Daryl does this whole little arm bar move and all right, tell me the truth. I thought, thought it was broken. Or I just thought like, it was a skull snap. I thought it was a skull snap to myself. There is no doubt. Late, not not five minutes later, my man has got a cast down to his wrist. It's on his thumb. I he was like, his thumb there. Misfire. It was kind of a chiropractor. He just kind of popped oh, the ligaments to, to relieve some pressure. Atrocious. Yeah. Atrocious. I was like, it looks like he snaps his arm and he's got a rankle. Ca- um, rankle. Listen to me. And. <laughs> A wrist cast. <laughs> He's got a copper fit. This is my copper fit. It's making me feel fine. Brett, Brett Favre sold that's this a, to me. <laughs> that's all we needed is Brett Favre throwing a football in the background. Yeah. It worked for me. It can work for you. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you see Joe Theismann snapped the leg and it's got a copper fit on it. It's all it took, baby. I was back in. The original copper fit. I felt like I'm in my prime. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he really needs you to have copper screws running through his oh, bone right God, now. It was terrible. You know, uh, I did like the little fight. See, I loved now my favorite fight move of all of them was Michonne doing the throat slam. You know, girl come at him and you know. Oh, she didn't play. No, you're not getting near my new man. Yeah, my man. <laughs> you know, this, I mean, this ain't happening. Epic. I was like, <laughs> look, Michonne will pull this blade out and cut you in half. Yeah. Don't do that again. Yeah. No. 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 I'm just mere eight hours from an orgasm with this guy. You're not taking this from me. (laughs) I ain't losing this one. You know what I'm saying? Uh, And even when the Viking fellow's on top of Rick, you know, and he got the best of him. And, you know, they were all calm and collective. And Michonne's like, hey. And then right into the neck. You know, I was like, and then the gallons and the gallons of fountains. Just fountains of blood. I mean, I mean. I thought Rick might drown. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I still felt bad. Like I said, this is a big strapping dude. You hate to see It was a guys. loss. It was definitely a loss. And it was his brother that was taken. So who's to see how that turns out when Craig finds out? Yeah, really? Oh, we're here to save you. By the way, I killed your brother. Yeah. <laughs> Had to bleed Oops. him out like a pig. <laughs> <laughs> you ever seen what they do to cows in the butcher? Yeah. Yeah, bleed him out. Now... Somebody brought this up too. Jennifer brought us in and said, "Do you think it was strange that they did not show anybody finish him off or get rid of the body? Because you know, you get you know, nobody pierced the head, nobody did anything with the body afterwards. It was just kind of like we moved scenes and it was over. No, they showed him burn the body. Yeah, but did you see anybody finish him off? You know, do the old head thing? No, but it seemed pretty pretty. And we moved past that now. They don't have to show it every time now." If you're a survivor this long, you know you got to kill the the brain, and and they should, at least they showed it burning the body. You know that was their funeral right. pyre. I'm not gonna give any grief for that. Right, I got you. So they're taking half their stuff. Jesus has his little comment. Hey, Nagin doesn't even get this much stuff. Blah blah blah. And out the doors they go. Now 
I will say one of the best things here that I will that I really really enjoyed was the humor, the puppy love kind of stuff. You know, Melanie came in and even had a few others. It said that a lot of the episode had a little more heartstring to it, a lot of more hope, and there was a lot of humorous lines. Favorite line of all night is is that you know when you were pouring that bisquick, were you planning to make pancakes and stuff? You know, I was like. That is awesome, you know. Abraham had probably four good one-liners or comments in this right. episode. I would go with at least two or three. One, he was like, "Look, I'll chew up some asphalt," and I was like, "Oh God, here we go." You know, that was forced, but <laughs> you know the 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 pancake batter. Yeah, that that was good stuff. That was hilarious. Yeah, I thought they did pretty good, but I still, man, they're really like making some super. Massive wide turns to get to Abraham's storyline. They are. It's such a reach. Yeah, I just they haven't planted that seed with Sasha well enough for this to be plausible or not far fetched to me. Well, you know, and I hate to say this, and this is, this is foreshadowing. It's almost like we got love in the air, and so we have to have it with multiple characters. And it's just really convenient that it kind of matches some of the uh, characters that, you know, the future, you know, for certain people or different things is uncertain. And the way they're scoping this up, like we said earlier, I, I hate, I really hope they're not trying to fluff up our positive emotions to just destroy them. You know what I mean? Because they're setting the scopes on, okay, we both know Rick's not going to go anywhere. Considering that Andrea is gone and comic wise she's the love interest, I don't really see Michonne going anywhere. And so let's talk about the other love and heartthrob situations that would be devastating. They just put Glenn and Maggie in Center near focus. death. You know, I know it. Stuff. I mean, how many times have we seen Glenn basically be dead, not dead, dead, not dead? I mean, Maggie. Oh my God, no. We have gone through that roller coaster. How many times? They better steer very clear of Glenn and Maggie, in my opinion. They need to give it a break. Because, well, they've taken the steam out of it. Even if they were to kill one of them, they've they've really removed a lot of the emotion from it because they've been in too many precarious situations. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, especially with the Glenn fiasco under the dumpster and stuff, they they just need to avoid them at all costs. I like the stuff with the ultrasound. That's pretty cool. Touching moment. They just need to leave them alone for a while. Yeah. I'm with you there. Now, Probably. maybe they're building up Abraham and Sasha and Rosita to be a big yeah, emotional you know, blast, but they're just taking some massive turns to get to Abraham's There is no this. doubt. There's and you see when Abraham's choked and gets back up, when Daryl picks him up. Oh, yeah. The necklace is lost. Necklace is gone. Necklace is lost. Yeah. Uh, mm, I don't get all that, you know. It, in a way it's like slapping you over the head with it mm-hmm, exactly but also it's kind of like taking these like i said huge massive far-fetched <laughs> you know ideas yeah i don't know i just i i think we're being thrown too much at one time you know while now is we all everybody in the love in the air and everybody's all ushy gushy and everything you know what i mean uh, it's it's just a little too much, you know. It'd be all right if it, like, we got Rick, 
Michonne. We got okay, yeah, Maggie and Glenn. We've been down that road. That's this whole Abraham thing is. It's like it's a, it's a, it's just a little much. You know what I mean? And I was even surprised that like Eugene's not even the mix, considering he's got a little love affinity for you know, and that wasn't you know it was just kind of weird. I don't know. I don't like I said. We'll see. Hopefully, it'll pan out better than I expect. Right. Let's get some of these. Uh, we had, like I said, we had a lot of great viewer combat, uh, uh, feedback and comments and so on. I really, really appreciated that. Um, Matthew said that he really enjoyed how the comic book was used very strongly for the source material. Do you think this was a really positive thing that they did for this episode? I don't read the comic this far, so I don't well, know. I'll answer the question and say... Absolutely. The the hilltop community, the way it was designed, set up, how people were portrayed, exactly. I mean, like, even Gregory looks almost identical to the character. I will say the character in the comic book is a little more heavyset kind of guy, more like Italian mafia, I eat spaghetti balls all the time look. He doesn't so much. Um, but, you know, still, way to look the part. It looked really good. I did really appreciate that. Um Patty told us that she really, really enjoyed it. She says she doesn't see a lot of the things that we complain about. She just enjoys the show for what it is. And I've told her all the time, I said, I appreciate that. You know, somebody who's not a comic book reader and somebody who doesn't, you know, see a lot of that stuff to have it as a comparison. Um, And she enjoys the show for what it is. And I think that's awesome because I think that's the reason it's such a popular show is because of that. You know, you have lovable characters, people you fall in love with. It's good drama. No, I, I'm i probably a lot closer to that than she thinks. Um, I watch the show just for entertainment purposes, and I analyze the show like I do for podcast purposes. You know, I, I'm, it's pretty well known that I'm pretty critical of this show because I don't think it compares writing-wise and, you know... Oh, I don't even agree execution with that. Execution-wise. There's, there's a lot of shows that have better writing um but this show does bring a lot more to the table with other parts that make it me love it i know i'm not disparaging anybody that loves the show for whatever reason i'm like her though in a way i just watch the show for what it is i get my entertainment from it and then i analyze it for the podcast right no i I, absolutely um Eric put in there and said, you know, that he appreciated the drama unfolding in front of the group as being a necessary evil and point for the show. Would you agree with that? What what, what drama unfolded in front of the well, group? Like, what do you mean? You know, the the guy he come getting stabbed, and you realizing that there, you know, there's issues, and they're not able to handle themselves, and those kind of things. Uh was it too early for that or was it was it on point? No, like I said, I think they're really just shoving it down your throat that Rick's group's efficient and most groups of survivors cannot, you know, stand up to them. And they're just constantly putting that down. Now maybe they're constantly pushing that on us only to see them fail against the Negan group, which you know in the episode, they decided they're going to go take out Negan for the hilltop people in exchange for their half of food and everything. You know, like I said, this could be a total buildup only to see them fail. Yeah. You know, you kind of knock the chip off the shoulder. You know? Right. 
because just like with the Abraham stuff, it's like they're kind of beating you over the head. We get it. Rick's group is awesome. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt. Um, you know, I will. The one thing that kind of kind of keeps popping my mind, and I saw this on Talking Dead, and I thought it was hilarious, is that The Walking Dead ruins a lot of things for people. You know, this episode now, I'm not going to be able to think about pancakes the same ever again. And now when I say, somebody look at the flowers, I always think, of, maybe I should look behind me. You know, <laughs> little things like that, you know. It's it's it's, it's hilarious. You know, there, there's other things, but it, um, it's amazing how this show sticks with you on some of the things and the catchphrases and lines they use. Um, but again, overall, I, I, I did enjoy the episode. I think that the... There was a lot of force feeding on a lot of things. I think there were some serious miscues on some integral details um, that could have made some scenes a lot better and not so fluff and, you know, out of order, you know. Um, but overall, it was exciting to learn more about what's going on on the outside of the walls instead of just internal dramas of inside the walls. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> kind of repeating what I said before, I like the milestones that the episode's reaching, but the path it takes to reach those milestone, milestones sometimes are, you know, really crummy. So, right. Yeah, and, like the, it, mile, and the milestone makes up for a lot of that crumminess. Right. It succeeds in, you know, major plot points, fails in the smaller plot points. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, guys, we really appreciate all the feedback. We got tons of comments and uh, support back. A lot of stuff on Twitter, Facebook, email. Loved all of you guys. Thank, really appreciate you doing it. Want to try to keep continue that pace of putting it out there, um, and continue moving on with the podcast. We, we we've hit some milestones of ourselves. We're really proud. We, we we've hit some higher numbers than we've ever have, and it seems like things are going real positive And we contribute a lot of that to y'all, and we really really appreciate that. Um, we've been adding a lot more content out here lately. We've added uh, you know an awesome new host, uh, Cash. Uh, we've hit new shows, um, Vikings, Outsiders is going on right now. We just finished up that little mini series of X Files, and so if you watch that in a fan, we've done some pods on it. Uh, things seem to be going going pretty well and we as a group at bleeding tv really want to thank you guys for that um it's it's been a monumental ride we've almost been a year in existence i think we started april of 2015 and um you know i think we've done over 70 shows and uh we keep getting more more positive uh feedback and uh we really really appreciate it you know and we want to continue that and uh you can always reach us at at bleed tv podcast on twitter and bleed tv podcast at gmail.com uh, as well as on Facebook and everything else. And we would love to continue this rapport and follow us. And uh, if you got a few minutes to subscribe or even give us a positive review on iTunes, uh, it really helps us in the search categories and uh, bolster our uh, future. Um, but other than that, bro, I think we can just call it after this. Absolutely. Guys, this is Blue TV. And this is Zach. And I'm Jake. And we're going to call it a night. 